Okay, so what you're about to hear is a dissection of the main themes of the Amazon Synod's final document in a conversation between myself and a guest. In short, the document reads like the latest iteration of the implementation of the Novus Ordo Seclorum, rather than a change of holy orders in the church. So bear all that in mind, and remain vigilant, because a lot of these changes that we talk about are probably still coming down the road. All right, so today I have a sort of a different approach for how we're going to talk about the document that was released in Spanish originally from the Amazon Synod. Instead of, you know, compiling a few paragraphs and reading them to you and just opining endlessly, I decided to have um, to bring someone on, um, unless you're listening to this on his channel, because he's going to put this on his channel as well. Uh, you know him as Trad Patrick. We're going to speak about this document and how there is some of the concerning stuff that you see most people focusing on, but this document it is, isn't exactly what we were, you know, what we've been led to believe. And in fact, I you know, it almost looks like the, you know, the deaconesses and very pro body and all that jazz has been a smokescreen. Although I fully expect they're going to implement that stuff too. And so uh, how are you doing today, uh, Patrick? I, I am, I will say elated. Uh, to a degree, uh, or relieved, maybe is a better word. Uh, I read the the document yesterday uh, a couple times. As some people know, I, I you know I was putting up uh, bits and pieces of it on Twitter uh, with some commentary. But as I read it two and three times, I realized that we you know we've got to sometimes take a step back and, and look at what people are telling us sometimes because, uh, as you just said. Uh, it wasn't what we were led to believe it was going to be. Now, that having been said, I'm not trying to sound super happy positive because I'm going to remind people of something. And I know this is a controversial figure and some people are, you know, don't like it when I bring up uh, Malachi Martin. But in Windswept House, you'll remember the one thing in that book everybody jumps on is that there was a satanic ritual. And everybody remembers the satanic ritual, but no one ever remembers what he said like 300 pages later in the book which is what the purpose of it was, which was to turn the church's attention from Christ and towards material, secular, worldly things like social justice and environmentalism and, you know, inter, you know, being a, just another international body. And I bring that up because, well, what does this document read like? What, is, what, what does this thing read like to you, Patrick? I mean, because oh. I'm looking at a lot of these paragraphs here and I'm – seeing a lot of talk of sustainable development and environmental concerns and CO2 and acronyms for various nonprofit organizations, which by the way, a thousand years from now, someone's going to read this papal encyclical and they're not going to know what any of these organizations are because none of them will exist. You know, do you think Repham's going to exist in the year 3000, assuming, you know, our Lord doesn't decide to clean house between now and then. I mean, any of this stuff, like, you know, you read a, you read something a Pope wrote in the 10th century and it's understandable. But this stuff, like, this is, it, this is fantastic <laughs> in a brazen kind of way. It definitely reads as if, uh, you know, there was a couple of times I said, you know, like, like chapter one was pre probably written by, you know, the, the, what is her name? Greta, the, the ecology girl. Um, I think Greta of Thunberg. Yeah. <laughs> you know, her and, and and there's definitely parts of it as you read through it that sound like Alexandria Cortez was a was a lay theologian that was helping to, to draft the document. 
it it definitely smacks of environmentalism. There is, like you said, nobody's going to understand it because nobody's going to understand this this like devotion that we had to a false science of of uh, global climate change. Uh, you know, you you can read something that Gregory uh, Pope Gregory wrote because he was speaking about the faith. These guys are speaking about. Uh, they're speaking about environmentalism. And at the end of the day, I think you and I both think that there is an ulterior motive here, and it's, it has nothing to do with married priests or female deacons. It has more to do with the UN. Right, and I'm going to go into that in a video probably tomorrow. So for disclosure, we're, we both got back from Mass on Sunday and decided to record this Sunday, Sunday afternoon, um, giving enough time for the document to cool down. But I had something I really wanted people to hear, which was yesterday's upload. So the plan is that unless something gigantic happens between Sunday and Tuesday morning, that this is going, that you'll probably hearing this on Tuesday. And I say this because my plan is in a couple of days, probably Wednesday, maybe Thursday, to have a to to really go into the UN side of things because there's a lot that didn't really get talked about. Most commentators, myself included, really focused on the radical changes to the faith that these guys proposed, but you know, only gave passing thought to the sustainable development stuff. And you know, I've watched some other commentators, big name people who I won't name here. You know, I listened to a podcast on my long drive home and it was all about the usual stuff. And I'm kind of wondering, you know, as we go into some of these paragraphs that you've highlighted for us, what, you know, somewhere I expect Malachi Martin is just shaking his head sadly and saying, I told you people, <laughs> because like, here, let me just give you an example. Paragraph 85. <laughs> all right. That's a good one. Here, I'm just going to read. I'm going to read this for you. Paragraph 85. Now the document was released in Spanish, and so this translation is from Google Translate. Unless you tra unless you speak Spanish and haven't told me and translated it yourself, which by the way that would be a heavy lift to do as quickly as you did. I use but this is probably Google. No, I, I, I don't use Google. I, I actually have a, a, a translate software, but I I did read the I did read it myself in uh, in the original uh, vernacular, and uh, the the translation is pretty. I, I would say almost spot on. Okay. All right, so here's paragraph 85. Create a pastoral socio-environmental observatory, strengthening the struggle in the defense of life. Make a diagnosis of the territory and its socio-environmental conflicts in each local and regional church in order to assume a position. Make decisions and defend the rights of the most vulnerable. The observatory would work in partnership with something called Selim, CLAR, Caritas, Repim, National Episcopates, local churches, Catholic universities, that's my kid screaming in the background. Apologies to everybody. The IACHR, other non-ecclesial actors in the continent and representatives of indigenous peoples. We also ask that in the Dicastery for Integral Human Development Service, an Amazon office be created that is in relation to this observatory and other local Amazonian institutions. So in other words, they want to create an office that works with all these secular organizations to look at the interaction between the cultures and the natural environment. Remind me what the Great Commission is, Patrick. This is because that's the, the Great Commission is the mission of the church, isn't it? It is. So the original commission is the, the church. It's the, the, the foundation of the faith and, 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 and whatnot. There are, I, I, I will give them, I, I don't want to say I want to give them any kind of, uh, of credit or anything like that, but they, they are, 
in the realm of what is acceptable by saying they want to create, you know, a group because we have the Vatican has a group of astronomers, people, uh, you know, priests and whatnot that study the heavens. Uh, so in, in, in that particular instance, they are within their realm to say, hey, we want to create this group that studies the, the uh, impact of whatever on the Amazon. The, the problem I have with it is that the, the commission, as you stated, the Great Commission, uh, doesn't work with other entities. It doesn't work with, uh, you, you know, contrary to Dan Brown's belief, they don't work with CERN. Um, they don't work with any of these other people. They're just, they're just priests that... Uh, that study things. Uh, what they're trying to do, in essence, in this particular situation, is put these priests under the, the control, if you would, of secular organizations. Right. And that's been a big problem in the local politics side that isn't getting much coverage when it came to the Synod. The Brazilian government is pretty upset because, who? I mean, I'll give you a hint of where I'm going to go with this in the next couple of days. Who, most people aren't aware that Jeffrey Sachs and Ban Ki-moon, the head of the UN, were both invited to participate as observers <laughs> for the Amazon Synod. So if the Amazon Synod was billed to people as a pastoral sort of thing that addresses you know, the need to bring the sacraments to the people of the Amazon, why are you bringing the head of the UN and a global population control expert who's also a banker? Because, I mean, Jeffrey Sachs, I'm pretty sure he's an international banker, isn't he? He's part of yes. that whole cabal. Yeah, he's he's part so of the whole. This, this, uh, I mean, go ahead, combine sorry. idol worship with international banking, and he just it just sets all of my lodge warning signs off, all of them. Well, yeah, I mean, you're talking about people whose whose idol is is mammon. They they worship money, uh, you know, and then they 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 disguise their worship of money with uh, the belief that they're uh, shall we say holier than thou, uh, if you would, uh, and they talk about things like you know oh we're overpopulated or oh the the Amazon is the 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 breath or the lungs of the world. Yeah, the actual the oceans are closer to the the lungs of the world. We get most of our fun fact: most of the world's oxygen comes from algae. It just does. Last time I read on it anyway. I could be wrong. Maybe they've uh, recalculated those numbers. But last I heard it was, you know, algae. The algae and most of, like, just the forests in general that do the work. Not just one chunk of trees somewhere in the world. A sizable chunk, I'll admit. But um, So there are some pretty amazing things in here. We read 80, paragraph 85, but I'm just going to go down to paragraph 82 here. <laughs> Ready for some new mortal sins, people. Because... <laughs> That one is that one. That one boggles the mind. <laughs> I can't. I'm, it's either laugh or, or start raging. Like you were raging when you first read this. I, I was. Talking, like, I so, was. That that one made me drink. Like, so, paragraph eighty-two. We propose to define ecological sin as an action or omission against God, against others, the community, and the environment. It is a sin against future generations and manifests itself in acts and habits of pollution and destruction of the harmony of the environment. What is the harmony of the environment? Transgressions against the principles of interdependence and the breaking of solidarity networks among creatures. And then it gives you a catechism of the Catholic Church reference here. I have never heard of solidarity applied to non-human beings before, but let's continue. And against the virtue of justice. We also propose to create special ministries for the care of the common house. And the proposal 
the promotion of integral ecology at the parish level and in each ecclesiastical jurisdiction, which have as functions, among others, the care of the territory and the waters, as well as the promotion of the encyclical Laudato Si. They really are pushing Laudato Si as the 21st century's version of Rerum Novarum. I am not kidding. Assume the pastoral, educational, and advocacy program of the encyclical Laudato Si in its chapters 5 and 6 at all levels and structures of the church. So this is going to be where you will probably end up seeing in your par- in your diocesan parish in the few coming months, maybe in the next couple of years, all of a sudden right next to your homeless ministry where they're making sandwiches for the poor or giving out socks and things on Christmas, you're going to also have, you know, water water regulatory things happening in your parish. That's coming. And if you run your, I'm, I'm wondering if we're going to get, because we've heard talk from them before about how air conditioning is evil. If we're going to start hearing words about, you know, running your air conditioner in the summer is a mortal sin. I think, I think you're going to be, I think you're going to be along the lines of like the middle ages where like, you know, uh, you have to t- uh, trade in carbon uh, credits for indulgences. Uh, you know, it's, it's insane. And what's, what's really insane is that these, these uh, bishops and cardinals that, that put this in it together, they actually believe that they're above God and they can create new sin new category of sin it's like they they've got a new moses that's standing on top of a mountain that they're going to hand a new tablet with with the with the new uh with the new commandments of thou shalt not have a carbon footprint of more than five thou shalt eat the bugs and live in the pods you know it's like that's i gotta say by the way if any of you don't know what we're referencing there have been a lot of stories in the secular press about how wonderful it is to live in a 50 by 10 or, or a, you know, a 50 square foot or a 100 square foot pod, you know, because obviously you can't have a family in that, but it's so wonderful and you can be a good consumer living in that and how you've got to eat bugs, how we can convince people in the future to eat bugs to save Mother Earth, of course. I even saw a story about how roach milk may be the cockroach milk, maybe the uh, milk of the future. And so this birthed some memes, right? My favorite, of like my favorite, some of my favorite memes of 2019 were, all about how I will not live in the pod and I will not eat bugs. And they got increasingly more aggressive as time went on. Uh, yeah, it's like, the, it, it's like, it's insane. But you brought up a good point, though. Laudato Si. Let's, let's, let's really boil down this final document. Uh, they reference Vatican II Church. They don't say Catholic Church. They say the Vatican II Church. Um they say so it's, in, almost like, it's almost like they chastise us for saying, you know, it's almost like there's a discontinuity here and that this isn't really the Catholic faith. Whenever somebody in our general sphere says that, people get really defensive and then they do it themselves. <laughs> it's hysterical. They, 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 they reference that. They, like you said, they want to they want to prop up with Dotto C uh, as, you know, like. I don't know, the new catechism almost. It's almost like they want to use that encyclical to create a, a, a new catechism, a catechism of the Amazon, which brings up the final point uh, that they had in this uh, you know, whole document. As you said, you know, I, I think the deaconesses was smoke and mirrors. I think that was to, uh, I think that was purposely to uh, enrage people and make them look the other way. Uh, there is a reference later on to like official ministries in the church for women and that knowing how they do things, how these people do things, like to work word things ambiguously, knowing what, how they're going to implement it. And so I don't think we're out of the clear yet on the deaconesses no. or the, or, you know, very pro body or any of that stuff, you know, that stuff barely shows up in this. 
I, I don't think we're out of the woods on any of that stuff, and I don't think it's just the Amazon Synod. I think it's I think it's bishops and cardinals that are, shall we say, aging out, uh, that are trying to push before they die. Uh, to change the church because they know that a lot of the younger generation, I would say the younger generation is split. I would say it's 50-50. I think you have 50% of the, of the clergy uh, under the age of 50 are uh, traditional and the other mm-hmm. 50% are, you know, what, what I call bacon priests. Um, you know, the, the left... I hate it when you call it that. What's that? They hate when you call them that, by the way. Oh, they, they hate me, period. But... <laughs> Um, right. So if you don't know what, why we call it a bacon priest, because oh, there's a good argument to be made that the vast majority of clergy who are on social media shouldn't be. And I'm putting it nicely. Some of these guys will, you know, on one day give you a great, if kind of, you know, vague tweet about, you know, living a life of faith and being, you know, pursuing sanctity and all that stuff. And then the next day they will tweet pictures of their Star Wars toy collection and themselves playing video games or making the soy smile face, you know, the face that you only ever see men do where their mouth is open wide, looking really goofy, holding up a piece of bacon. Hence where we got the term bacon priest. I won't name names because I'm not here to attack people specifically, but it's really disconcerting to see that stuff <laughs> coming from, from the clergy who, uh, you know, the same people who in theory I you know, should be confessing my sins to and trusting to guide me to Christ. I think that's 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 the point, though. I think you know, like you said, we're not out of the clear. I don't think we're I, I don't think we're going to be out of the clear in this for another. I'm going to say five years. At, at, at the five year, probably yeah. Yeah, at the five year mark, most of these guys are uh, they're going to be so retired or so old or or passed on to eternity that the the arguments are going to fade away. I I do give Fran, Pope Francis credit in the fact that you know he created the commission before this. And I think that the reference even in uh, the paragraph of the commission where they basically say, hey, look, you know, we know you've had this commission. We know you've come out with a, a, a you know, sort of, a, you know, a conclusion. We just like to basically be able to read and maybe, you know, submit something to the commission. I don't and think we're, and we're recording this again before Francis has said anything publicly about what he's going to do. Exactly. Exactly. I, I honestly, I think I think some of the environmental wackadooness is going to happen. I think we're going to see, uh, you know, priests whose mission is going to be uh, environmentalism. You know, they're going and, to pick. And for your, your for your penance for being for being uncharitable, I you will plant three trees. We have them in the we have them behind the parish. <laughs> yeah, here's a bush. Go out and plant the bush now because you 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 drank from a plastic straw. Uh, you know, I mean, I think that stuff is going to happen. I think that is inevitable when you think about, you know, what, who is Pope Francis? You know, Pope Francis is, uh, you know, he's very big on the environment and stuff like that. And look, I'm not, I'm not the type of person, I'm an outdoorsman. I'm not the per- type of person to say that the environment's not important. It absolutely is. I just don't think of it's course. the church's role. Like, and even then, like, the church can, you know, give you some, I want to say, like, Catholic social teaching, long history, has been principles and guidelines, and very rare, and very rarely would the church in those sorts of documents give you very specific policy solutions. You know, the most specific thing Leo XIII ever talked about was, like, wanting to restore the old guild system, basically. 
And so when you start seeing some of the stuff that we're going to get to here in a second, there's, it's, it's very, very different, right? And very specific policy items is where you start to get red flags. Like I'm not, I'm the last person to ever say that a, you know, that a Pope's are out of their depth talking about economics and other things where, because those things all touch on morality they all touch on the faith. But, you know, if I'm reading something here, like how we need to drastically reduce the emission of carbon dioxide and other gases related to climate change as being urgently needed, I'm like, that's Jeffrey Sachs talking. I mean, that's clearly Jeffrey Sachs talking. Yeah, that's not a priest talking. I, I, I You know, there are priests that are scientists. We all know that. We all know that there are... Uh, Father Lemaitre was the, was the priest who came up with the Big Bang Theory, which was originally denounced by the atheistic scientific community 100 years ago because it sounded like creationism through the back door to them. Exactly. I mean, I mean, people think, you know, tend to forget that the Vatican and the church as a whole is a, is a giant, uh, you know, government, you know, and all these priests all have jobs. Some of them are, you know, economists. You know, you look at Father Pesh back in the day. He was an economist, uh, you know. So the idea that that there are some priests that are environmentalists and everything like that. OK, I'm OK with that. Um, and I can look past it. But when you when you when you cross the line and you say, oh, it's now going to be a sin. Uh, you, you know, to to use a plastic straw or to you know drive your car more than you should, that's that's really kind of crossing the line. And 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 I think I think purposely the ideas that we were told about the the married priests and the deaconesses and everything else was pushed so hard, and nobody looked at what was really going on. So when people looked at the document. Uh, like some of the some of the professional theologians on 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 Twitter, and I preference that with the fact that, as you know, I am a theologian. I I, I went to seminary. I don't call myself that because I don't feel I'm worthy to call myself that. I, like it's it's one of those things where if I ever call myself a political scientist, despite having multiple degrees, and that I always preface it by laughing at it because there were some brilliant political scientists I read in college. And I, and I couldn't write the books that they wrote. <laughs> no, it's just, it's, it's, it's a simple fact. Plus you've also said that theologians should largely be uh, clergy. Like I worked for a yes. Catholic university where the theology department had a part as part of its reforms to save the university had required the uh, lay the- theologians on staff to get in it, to get the imprimatur by the local bishop. I think theologians should have – I think if you're going to be a theologian for the church, you should have the blessing of the church to be a theologian. I don't think you should be able to just go and, and, and you know, go and profess the faith. I mean these guys, they did a lot where they they basically focused when you looked at Twitter or Facebook or anything else or any of the YouTube shows afterwards. Oops, sorry, my dogs. Like I said, folks, we're recording this in real time, so. And we're not we're not living and working in a professional quality recording studios here. We're doing our best with what we got. Um, Sorry, yeah, about he's that. taking care of his dogs now. <laughs> Sorry about that. No worries. It was, it was my my teenage sons were were knocking at the door, and so the dogs went stupid. Um, but Honestly, as- by the way, I'm leaving all this stuff in. I'm leaving it unedited because this is again a live, real conversation. The only way I would edit it is if something obscene happened in the background. And if that happened. That would be strange. So, <laughs> I think I think honestly, you know, now that we bring it up, you know, when you look at when you look at the document and you look at what's going on in the faith, a lot of it is fake. 
a lot of it is fake. And you can use that, like you're saying, you know, we're not going to edit it because we're real. We're, we're family men. We're, we're, we live uh, the faith as family men. But most of the people today are not. They're, they're looking at it from a sensationalist attitude. And as I said, you looked at what they said uh, about the document. They focused on two or three paragraphs of this total document that has 123 paragraphs. They focused on three. And I'm not going to – and you know what? I'm not going to blame anybody for focusing on what the very obvious idol worship that happened in the Vatican Gardens. That is something to legitimately be concerned about, right? Like especially that press conference they had after – that they had recently where where Francis even referred to the demon by its name. Oh, agreed. That stuff is all – that stuff is all concerning, <laughs> you know, but we, we – you know, the modernists weren't able to take the church over because they were idiots. You know, they kept, you know, Pope St. Pius X released the, uh, you know, did numerous things, released Pascendi, which if you have not read that, you either have to read it or I have it recorded on my channel. And I have a, and I have a conversation with another trusted uh, theological scholar that I, tr that, you know, again, that I trust who we helped explain the core concepts of it in a conversation much like this. And if you want those, I can make that available to people. Um, but, you know, Pius X released his document and then like the next year released the, the oath against modernism. And these guys mostly went underground and they waited and they waited and they waited 50 years and they recruited more men to replace themselves dedicated to their project. They weren't morons and the current crop of them are largely not moronic either. Although sometimes you do wonder, <laughs> you know, or like you sometimes wonder if James Martin is completely oblivious to how he sounds. I think I think part of the problem is is that when we when we refer to these people we don't refer to them as modernists anymore and a lot of people go well there's no such thing as the modernists anymore because we're in a modern era and it, and that's that in and of itself is a mistake it's a mistake that they that they wanted you to make that there are modernists and James Martin is one of them one of the biggest like no I got I got into an argument with somebody on Twitter the other day where they were like Saint Pius X is outdated and the concept of modernism is out outdated and is irrelevant. And I'm like, really? If you read Pascendi now, it looks like you're watching that stuff all unfold in front of our eyes, right down to the warning about naturalism and idol worship that he included in that papal encyclical. I um, mean, I, I, my family altar in our in our room. You know, I have the Piuses, I have Leo. You know, I, I don't have any of the modern popes, to be honest with you, on my wall. <laughs> I understand. Trust me, people. Some. Very few people have noticed that I haven't read a post, a, a uh, uh, an encyclical from any of the conciliar popes. I haven't put them up there. I've read many of them in my own time. You know, again, I'm writing a doctoral dissertation on actually Catholic Catholic social teaching and sustainable development. That's actually my dissertation. So I've read a lot of post conciliar encyclicals. I've read all the really weird ones, and that's actually part of how I came out as the kind of person I am. And my understanding of the crisis of the church is reading those encyclicals because they are so specific. So getting back to our topic at hand here, specific like this one, paragraph 77, which I read part of already. The development of energy policy that drastically reduced the emission of carbon dioxide, CO2, and other gases related to climate change is urgently needed. The new clean energies will help promote health. <laughs> what new clean energies? All companies must establish supply chain monitoring systems to ensure that the production they buy, create, or sell is produced in a socially and environmentally sustainable manner. I'm going to cut in here. Are you, you still with us, Patrick? I am. Okay. Remember what I was talking about with 
very specific policies. They want new clean energies, and then all companies must establish supply chain monitoring systems to ensure that. When you do. Repeat that. You're a businessman, right? Yeah. You're, you're a businessman, correct? Okay. So here we go. Let's talk about this. The new clean energies will help promote health. All companies must establish supply chain monitoring systems to ensure that the production they buy, create, or sell is produced in a socially and environmentally sustainable manner. That's the again. You come from the business world. That's very specific. It is extremely it's specific. Not, that's the portion that I say. It's sucks. not as specific as a policymaker would make it, but that's that's very specific. And then here we go. In addition, access to safe and potable water is a basic, fundamental, and universal human right because it determines the survival of people and therefore is a condition of the exercise of other human rights. And, you know, I, I don't have an issue with that per se. I mean, the church should be advocating for clean water for people. Such right is recognized by the United Nations. <laughs> we need to work together so that the fundamental right of access to clean water is respected in the territory. Okay, fine. But this is a weird paragraph in this document. Well, it's a very weird one to hear from the church. It's like I said, it, it sounds like Alexandria Cortez wrote this. It was part of her Green New Deal. Um, you know, it's it's basically saying, OK, if the if the secular governments can't do this, then the churches can and the churches will do it by saying it's a sin if you don't do it. So it's it's the it's the businessing of the laity, if you would, making the laity part of a, of a business or, or an enterprise. Right. Um, so I'm not sure what paragraph this is from. You gave me one earlier that didn't have a number, but it's one referring to leg uh, diversity. Jimmit diversity does not harm the communion and unity of the church, but rather manifests and serves it. What testifies to the plurality of existing rights and disciplines, we pro propose to establish criteria and provisions on the part of the competent authority within the framework of Lumen Gentium 26, there's a conciliar document for you, to ordain priests to suitable and recognized men of the community, a fruitful permanent diaconate, and receive adequate training for the presbyteriate. Being able to have a legitimate, constituted, and stable family, this is your very pravati. And then they go on to talk about how it's to bring the sacraments to, you know, the people of the, of the Amazon. And it's a weird concept here, not just the married priest thing, which I'm vehemently against, but it's also weird for two other reasons. One, these are this was written by people who have bragged about how they've not baptized an indigenous person of the Amazon in 50 years, and they, they have no intention of ever doing it. So they don't really seem to care to me about sacraments if you don't want to baptize anybody. But then the other one, and this is something that's interesting to me, this is almost a proposal to annihilate the permanent diaconate. Right, because you've got all these permanent deacons. Like if you look at uh, charts from uh, the vo from vocations in the post-conciliar era, they've all dropped through the floor, except for one, and that's the permanent diaconate, and that's exploded. And this could uh, like annihilate the permanent diaconate. I think so. If you got a permanent deacon in your parish that you like, well, you, you might lose them. <laughs> I think I might be a little bit different than so, some of the, the the trads in the fact that I think. Um, as far as things go, I don't. I, I don't have a total d hatred for the permanent diaconate. I don't have a total like hatred for a, a, a married deacon. I think that they serve a purpose. I don't think that they should be. I, I agree. Like some of the best churchmen I've met in the Nova Sordo have been deacons. Actually, honestly, some of the best men I've met. 
Well, the more the more traditional ones. Hmm. The more traditional people in in the Novus Ordo tend to be the deacons. Yeah, that's because a lot of them tend to be. Um, actually, this is going to sound weird, uh, but they they tend to be all the ones I've met who fit that bill. All tend to be older. They all tend to be baby boomers, and a lot of them tend to be people who were in seminary during the crazy years after the council, and for one reason or another left and went and lived lives as normal lay people. I know a guy but like that. But that calling went away, so they came back. Like, I know numerous permanent deacons who have that story. I, I know a guy like that. Oh, wait, that's me. <laughs> but I'm not... Are a... you going to become deacon patch? No, I don't think so. Uh, the SSPX doesn't doesn't uh, recognize them. Uh, what they do have, though, which is something that the church should be looking at uh, in, instilling in the, in, the, in the greater church, is uh, the addition of male adult uh, acolytes uh, and and servers on the altar. Uh, you know, we've stepped away from those minor orders uh, that used to be uh, held, if you read in the Council of Trent, by uh, by married men of the community. And 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 if they if the if the Amazon fathers, if you would, wanted to really uh make a document that was based on theology they would bring up those things they would say hey look look at the council of trent look at what we lost and we could have people who were involved in the church and then that would make other people want to be priests that's how archbishop lefebvre did it in africa in history don't you know and it's too new for these guys we have to go back to how the uh, the ancient church did it by misrepresenting everything they did and the reason I say that is because here we have paragraph 119, and I believe this is where you – it's either 119 or 103 that you get to – no, it's 103. We'll get to 119 in a moment. Paragraph 103. In the multiple consultations carried out in the Amazonian space, the fundamental role of religious and lay women in the church of the Amazon and its communities was recognized and emphasized, given the multiple services they provide. In the high number of these consultations, the permanent diaconate was requested for women. For this reason, the subject was also very present in the synod. Already in 2016, Pope Francis had created a study commission on the diaconate of women, apologies again for my child screaming, which as a commission reached a partial result on what the reality of the diaconate of women was like in the first centuries of the church and its implications today. Therefore, we would like to share our experiences and reflections with the commission and look forward to your results. For those who don't know, that commission already released a report to the Pope and said, uh, there's literally no evidence of ordained women in the first centuries of the church, and that's it. This is, seems like a very, this is essentially a very glad handing way of saying we want you to reconsider. And think- so this isn't this, I mean, it's so if we get uh, women deacons, it's not likely to happen immediately unless, you know, Francis does something crazy with his, uh, with, with, you know, with the papal bull or encyclical that's going to come out of this. I don't think Francis is, Pope Francis is going to go against himself, but I don't think he's also going to go against uh, John Paul II. And I think I think that's that's the good thing about about the women diaconate. Plus, the other thing is, is is history, right? And that that initial commission which they referenced came up and said, look, there were quote unquote women uh, deaconesses, but they weren't ordained. And that was the important part. They weren't ordained. They were kind of like assistants. They're essentially there to help bishops and presbyters with the uh with modesty issues for women that's what they were there for where it would be inappropriate for the male to help yeah the women and the children basically uh they acted more like if 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 you were to look at it like at a modern times they would be like a a nun's deacon or something like that 
Yeah, if there was such a if there was such a thing, basically an assistant nun to like the abbotus or the uh, the abbotus or to the um, you know the mother superior. Um, let's see. Nineteen is where they talked about uh, uh, their new wanting a new Amazonian specific right. And I got a lot of questions about how you get a new a new right when I'm pretty sure promulgating a new right of uh, a new right of liturgy is actually forbidden. But it that's is. also one of those things. That's uh, that's one of those things people debate. But you know, if a pope if a pope can't anathematize literally anybody, including future pontiffs, I don't know what the point of having an anathem being able to anathematize people is. And they're making reference to, I believe it's uh, the Quas Primus document of Pius V in 1570. Ironically, or oddly, perhaps, released 400 years to the year that the new mass, before the new mass was uh, promulgated. That's a little weird quirk of history that people don't tend to notice. But 119 says this, The new body of the church in the Amazon must establish a competent commission, I don't know what that means, to study and discuss, according to customs and customs of the ancestral peoples, the elaboration of an Amazonian rite, which expresses the liturgical, theological, disciplinary, and here we go, spiritual spiritual heritage of the Amazon, with special reference to what Lumen Gentium affirms for the Eastern churches. This would add to the rites already present in the church, and were enriching the work of evangelization, the ability to express faith in one's own culture, and a sense of decentralization and collegiality that can be expressed by the Catholicity of the church. You could also study and propose how to enrich ecclesial rights with the way in which these peoples take care of their ter- territory and relate to their waters. Relation to the environment in the same paragraph. A lot of people are concerned about that paragraph because they want a syncretistic right, something that is influenced by the pagan cultures there. Well, I think... It's bizarre. It's I, very strange stuff to me. I, I, I like to, uh, I'm a wordsmith, and I like to look at words, and, and they specifically tied themselves to the Eastern Church, and they did that for a reason. What does the Eastern Church have? Married priests. What does the what does the Eastern Church have? It has more of an aesthetic toward, uh, that's completely opposite of the aesthetic of the, the, of the Roman right. So they didn't try to create, they, they don't want to try to create an Amazonian right under the the, the Western Church, they want to create it under the Eastern Church. Uh, and so that's something that people really need to pay attention to is, is what they want to do it under. And you are correct that uh, Pius, Pope Pius, uh, he basically banned the practice of creating new rights because every time somebody disagreed with the church back then, they created a new right. Like that encyclical banned any right of liturgy that was less than 200 years old, which is why you still have Dominican right masses. And you have all the Eastern liturgies because those were all more than 200 years old at the time that that uh, bull was issued in 1570. And there's been some vigorous debate as to whether that also banned a future pope from issuing an entirely missile like Paul VI did 400 years later. Um, And it's interesting that they would try to do this under like the auspices of the church when clearly South America is Latin right. With some, of course, some, I'm sure you could find an Eastern Rite parish somewhere in Brazil. But um, I think we just covered all the paragraphs that we highlighted. Um, do you have any others you want to talk about here? Because this is this is already you know troubling enough. 
But you pointed out our Lord has only mentioned what a handful of times in the document, correct? Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ is mentioned 19 times, and, and anybody can do this. You can go to the, 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 the thing, the uh, site, translate it uh, through Google Auto Translate, and then hit Control 4, uh, F4, and put in a word like Jesus Christ. 19 times in 123 paragraphs. Uh, Blessed Virgin Mary is only mentioned three times, and it is in the conclusion of the document. Um, the, the title of Our Lady of the Amazon, which is a new one, by the way. That's just the sort of a new thing they've done. Well, the thing when is... There are plenty, there's plenty of wonderful apparitions and uh, uh, regional, uh, uh, you know, regional observances of Our Lady, including Our Lady of Aparecida. You, important you, for the Synod because there was a conference there in 2007 that led to this, led to the Synod. You can't create Our Lady of the Amazon without there being a valid apparition of Our Lady in there. And from what I've known and, you know, my my incredible amount of reading, I, I've yet to come up with one uh, that is valid in the Amazon. So. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, this is. So the Amazon Synod document, yes, they want to do revolutionary changes within the church that I know will, if the Pope approves them, be soon be found in a diocesan parish near you and quite possibly may find their way into the FSSP and the ICKSP and the other um, unquestionably, unambiguously kosher uh, traditional groups within the church proper. Um, I'm certain that if the public okays deaconesses, you're going to find them in your parish within five years. Won't happen in mine. That's how the said it won't happen in mine. You go to mass with the evil, evil SSPX. <laughs> I am very I, I dark one. People at this point, I do not understand people who are concerned about the state of the church have hypotheses about the validity of, of the papacy or an election of a pontiff and then think the SSPX are in schism. Like, I, I, I don't understand that, <laughs> that thinking, but especially since the Vatican itself doesn't say the SSPX are in schism. They actually explicitly said that recently, but whatever. Um, all right. Is there anything else you want to cover on this? No, I just want to say just, just, you know, and I, and I try to say this every once in a while is, is just be careful who you listen to, you know, be careful who, who you're getting direction from on the faith. You know, if you go to church and you're having issues with the synod thing, you know, sit down with your priest if you have a decent priest. Um, sit down with your deacon if you have a, def- a, a decent deacon. Uh, talk to them. A lot of people out there, you got to remember and you got to look into what their motives are. And sometimes their motives are not the best uh, for the faith. You know, right. and you and we and we totally affirm your you know ability to be really upset about the idols that have been placed in various places and the pornographic images of women nursing wild animals and that bizarre demonic tree planting ceremony, the whole nine yards, all that stuff is right. Everyone who's concerned about that is right to be concerned. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. You, should be, you should be. What an agenda is a thing that just went under the radar for most people. You should be concerned about the document period. I, I, I really look, I'm not saying you should there. There is things in this document that are really, really troubling. But they, I don't think that the the giant issues that everybody's been pushing so long are going to come to any close to fruition at all out of this document. What we're going to get out of this document is some, you know, maybe some 
some discussions in mass about the environment and how we can all, like you said, you know, you know, clean water things and stuff like that. We may get a mission uh, where they might want people to to sign up to be missionaries to to the environment or something like that. Uh, that's well, that's more troubling to me. That I, mean, like, I honestly think that. more radical things that we're worried about the deaconesses and women ordination and the rest of it. You are if you want to look now because I think you're probably going to see action items that are going to move us you know, a long path towards that. I'd be surprised at this point if they went fully into women's ordination, but I could be wrong. But the next thing that's coming, there are two kinds of things coming similar to the Amazon Synod. One is in Germany, and that's going on, I think, right now, actually. Like, they were doing it parallel. And the other is in, in Australia next year. Those things are worth watching because those groups may uh, push forward or more forcefully re- make requests from, from the Vatican about being able to do these radical things. So we got to pay attention to those things, and those things are coming. I do need to check in on that German quasi synod. Yeah, I've been. But, uh, I have been paying attention to that one. It's it, that one's actually creepier than the Amazon one, to be honest. Well, I mean, when you get you know Casper the Friendly Cardinal and all these other like modernists who are just have taken over the church in Germany, and they get to run, you know, they get to run rough roughshod over the church largely away from the international press because of the Amazon Senate that I can only imagine <laughs> the kinds of things that they that are going to get proposed out of that. Um, you're found over on the, what's your, what's your channel called? I'll have a link on the, in the, um, that's in the a chained comment of this video. That's the Tradcast show. Um, I typically don't talk a lot of theology. I talk more traditionalism uh, and how it relates to the church. Uh, and how we should how we should be living as traditionalists uh, in the world today to be an example uh, of of that traditional lifestyle. Right. Although you also have a really cool series you've been doing weekly about. Uh, it started out talking about you know the lodge and its history, Albert Pike and the like, and the most recent episode was you know needing to turn away from pop culture because it's evil. So I, I appreciate. Those. I really like those episodes. We should check those out. Thanks. But uh, everyone, uh, thanks for listening and uh, putting up with our background noise. You know, that comes with family life. Um, get, love to hear your thoughts in the comments below. Anyway, thanks for listening and have a good one and keep praying for the church.